0: Hi, everyone. I'm Dan Langley, and welcome to the latest episode of the Manufacturing IT Podcast. I'm joined today by Megan preston Mayer. Megan, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Daniel. I'm really glad to be here.
0: So, Megan, you and I were introduced by Julie Fraser, uh, a woman who I had on the podcast previously, does tons of great stuff for the manufacturing industry. So, um, yeah, really delighted she introduced us. Me too. Me too. So tell tell us a little bit about yourself Megan. So obviously from you know LinkedIn I can see that prior to what you do now you were working in insights and analytics 10 years in in that space. So tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of where you're at now.
1: Sure. Yeah, I spent over 10 years in the the corporate world. I started actually more in supply chain, supply chain optimization. Um I've got an MBA in operations management worked in supply chain for a bit, and then started moving more towards the analytics and insight space. And then towards the end of my corporate life, I realized that I'm a good analyst, but I'm an even better communicator. So I'm, you know, pretty good at SQL, pretty good at, you know, the, all the data science stuff. Sure. But what I really loved was putting together the PowerPoint at the end of the day to kind of <laughs> to get my recommendations accepted. Sure. And so I decided to sort of lean into the communication side of thing a little bit more. Um, and so two years ago, I quit corporate life and have become a writer, working on becoming a writer. Can't say I'm there yet, but I'm working on it.
0: I don't know. I think you've got your book. It's uh, I guess you 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 are fully fledged in the in the writing space. So so those who don't know, um, Megan's the creator of Supply Jane. Um, and the author of the Supply Jane and FIFO Adventures.
1: That is true. That is true. Yeah, I guess I, it's always, no one likes to call themselves an author.
0: <laughs> yeah, author, you let other people say that, but you're a writer. So no, I know I, I get that. So, so tell us a little bit more about Supply Jane. And, and, and that's kind of where I was really keen to, to understand. And, and tell us more a little bit about the idea and, and everything associated.
1: Sure. So the Supply Chain and FIPO Adventures are picture books that explain to kids um, the concepts behind supply chain, logistics, inventory management, uh, manufacturing. And they're a way to, a fun way, I hope, to introduce kids to these industries, to these ideas. Um, and they're also, you know, there's, there's dragons. They're cool pictures. So they make for a good bedtime story as well. They're not purely educational.
0: You sure. And so where did the idea come from then? But you know, you mentioned you're an effective communicator, you've you enjoy that side of life. So wh- where did the kind of thoughts come from to, to write a book?
1: Honestly, the idea came, um, I was hiking with my husband, and we were trading supply chain puns. <laughs> as you know, as you do on a hike, I guess. Yeah. And we came up with the idea for a supply Jane. We thought that was a a funny name. And then from there, she needed a canine companion. um, And we built a story around this and it just sort of snowballed and one day made it out into the world in book form.
0: Wow, okay, no, really interesting. I I know know what you mean, I I like to hike myself. So, you know, plenty of time to think and the uh, mountain air is good for creativity, isn't it? So the juices are flowing.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So so kind of tell me about that with in terms of your passion in that side of things, you know, getting kids uh, involved in manufacturing and supply chain, you know, maybe kind of developing critical thinking skills. You know, why is that a passion of yours? What's your kind of, you know, in, enjoyment from doing that?
1: Well, when I entered the supply chain industry, I did it more or less by accident. I yeah. was looking for a job and I sort of stumbled into it. And I've talked to a lot of people in those industries that did the same thing. They yes. they didn't set out to enter supply chain or enter manufacturing. That's just sort of how their career path took them. And at least for me, part of the reason there was I I didn't even know these jobs existed when I was a kid. If you, if you look at like a career day or if you ask a second grader what they want to be when they grow up, there, there's going to be a lot of astronauts or marine biologists and not so many materials planners or <laughs> procurement managers. Yeah. And I really, I think a lot of that is just the visibility aspect. Yes. And I wanted to make these industries, industries and these sort of normal jobs that normal people have more visible to more kids earlier on, get that on the radar.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's a really interesting point. So, you know, I guess from, from my side, I I'm I'm a recruitment specialist within kind of manufacturing IT. So I kind of understand the challenges around supply chain and the skills gap and talent shortage that everyone's experiencing. And I think there is a huge lack of visibility on children understanding manufacturing, understanding supply chain, and actually being even aware that these these careers exist.
1: Yeah. And there really shouldn't be there, especially in the understanding gap, because manufacturing is one of the most tangible industries out there. Yes. Like I would get it if a kid doesn't really understand the world of accounting or the world of
0: programming. Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And but I mean, every child who's ever played with Legos or ever put together, you know, used an easy bake oven anything like this ever made anything with their hands understands what manufacturing is at a small scale. We just need to, to kind of globalize that and make them see these same concepts can apply on a much, much larger scale, but still at the end of the day, you end up with something you can hold in your hands, which a lot of careers don't offer.
0: Yeah, I, I, I get that. And I think there's also a a, a feeling that manufacturing isn't cool manufacturing is is dirty it's unsafe it's it's just not a not an enticing industry to move into and i guess you know some of that is is false narrative some of that is a paradigm that we look through it through so i definitely think there needs to be a a sea change in the mentality of how supply chain and manufacturing is even spoken about in, in kind of society
1: i agree i agree and and that like you said that is such a it's a false it's kind of a false perspective because for one thing when you talk about jobs in manufacturing there's everything from the shop floor to you can most manufacturing companies have a chief marketing officer a lot of them have social media managers you know there's mm. there are all kinds of jobs within the manufacturing industry it doesn't mean you're you know sitting there with a wrench in your hand and getting grease on you at the end of the day
0: which I think is what the standard image that most people would assume with manufacturing. It's it's dirty.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's also really not. I mean, there are so many, so much of manufacturing is, I mean, has to be sterile and you're in a, yeah. a, and it's super high tech and it's, and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of knowledge and ability and skills. And, but you're right. There is sort of this, even today, there's a sort of blue collar um, stereotype, which yeah. is no no longer
0: accurate. Uh, and the world I recruit in and kind of have conversations with people about is digital transformation, digitalizing different parts of the process and stuff. So, so it's even moving more further away from those kind of stereo st- stale stereotypes, I would say you know, most manufacturing floors now people are operating on, on touchless machines or wearing VR goggles or, you know, iPad-esque devices. So, you know, most kids are au fait with those things now. So why why is that not going to transfer into a career?
1: Yeah, exactly. And you're right. Kids these days are probably even better prepared for a lot of the new, you know, the way that work instructions are being delivered. A lot of the, the new, um, you know, all of the optimization software and all of the factory 4.0 stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, there will, by the time someone who's in second grade now, by the time they actually get into a manufacturing career, it's not going to look, it's not even going to look like the assembly line in my books, probably. It's going to look completely different. And the more, the, the more we can get kids interested in this now, they'll be able to shape what that looks like
0: too. Yes no definitely so, so tell us a little bit about supply jane in terms of your thoughts of what what's the message that you're trying to get across obviously i understand it's about you know a fun educational type, type thing you mentioned these dragons to make it you know enticing for kids but tell me a little bit about kind of where you would like to see supply jane go and what's your kind of thoughts on taking that to the to the kids in the world
1: well one of the reasons that i put these books together and one of the functions that I hope they fulfill, um, first of all, is to start the conversation with parents or with um, with other adults about the careers that they might go into. But another really big aspect is the fact that each book is standalone and it explains a concept. So the first book, FIFO Saves the Day, explains first in, first out and inventory management. And okay. this is a very concrete, real example of, of one of these concepts that is I like to call the call it hidden logic you can if you know where to look you can find it if you go to the grocery store you can see all of the expiration dates on the milk and if you reach to the back of the uh, of the rack you can find one with a longer expiration date which I'm not recommending
0: because
1: I <laughs> order for a reason
0: <laughs>
1: But but these concepts are so Again, they're easy to grasp, and if you give a kid one of these real world concepts, these you know adult ideas, and they're able to understand it and then apply it to their own life, I just heard of um, of a reader whose kids when they're when they're taking a bath, um, they were about to get out of the bath and the older brother said he has to get out first because he got in first, so they were <laughs> five in the bathtub. Um, and so when kids get, when kids realize that they can understand and apply these concepts, that I hope helps them to you know, start gaining a sense of agency. Yeah. So that they can, you know, they can use these ideas and this new power to look for other concepts and other, other examples of hidden logic and figure out how the world around them works. And then hopefully start thinking about how to make it work better
0: no I, I I really like that and i I was doing some research before our conversation, and you know maybe I didn't go too deep with the research but i but I actually can't find much out there that's filling this genre of space so i I know there's a guy in the states mike nager who who's recently released a book um you know a similar expert is it on your got, shelf i in- I'm
1: looking over my shoulder because okay. I've got the book right behind me i haven't um I haven't read it yet, but I just picked yeah. it up the last time I was back in the u s the well, there's at least three books in this okay
0: <laughs> well well that that's it and, and Mike's working on some some educational stuff at you know higher educational level and and I guess it, it's just really interesting to see people like yourself to kind of really push this narrative now and to kind of really start to open up open up this uh, people's eyes to this area
1: I agree, I agree because um, kids can handle this stuff i mean. Mm. You know, and you've got this great opportunity before bed or before nap. And, you know, you could be, you know, how many more times does a kid need to learn about a caterpillar or, a, <laughs> you know, like use this time to start, mm. to start getting them thinking about other things.
0: Oh, definitely. And if we kind of fast forward from, you know, children reading reading your your book, say, to, to kind of school leavers or education leavers. One of the areas that I'm super passionate about, and, you know, Julie and I spoke about it on the podcast, and, and you and I spoke about it prior to the recording, was about getting more women into manufacturing. And, you know, again, it's probably that false paradigm that people look through, that manufacturing's I don't want to say this, but not for girls, you know, that, that kind of whole mentality shift. But I know it's an area that you're super passionate about, as in w- women more into that industry as well.
1: Yeah. And I was just thinking about this a little bit in a conversation I had yesterday. And I wonder if it's not, if at least some of it is the way that the industry and companies within the industry are marketing themselves yeah, I remember when i was uh, when I was looking for a job after business school, the companies that came in to do recruiting events were the the companies that were more retail focused or more um, kind of consumer focused were very they were much better at storytelling because they had to be. You know, they had mm-hmm. huge marketing um, you know marketing budgets and marketing departments. And then the more B2B industrial uh, manufacturing and supply chain companies were much more logical. You know, they had great arguments. They, you know, they gave us salary ranges. They gave us, you know, here are all of the kind of left brain reasons to work for us. Yeah. But, and so I wonder if it's just the, you know, and, and I'm extrapolating from myself. Uh, I don't know that this applies to all women, but I... When I go to work, and I think a lot of people in my generation, our generation also, they want to do more than just bring home a paycheck, right? Yeah. And so if you can, if we can start to build the story about how the work you do here matters, instead of just, you know, the work you do here is going to get you paid, that's already going to be a huge step in the right direction.
0: I, I, and that, that bleeds into so many other areas, doesn't it, Megan? And I guess... The area of recruitment that I focus on is around industry 4.0. It's about improving efficiency. It's about saving money and and all of that stuff, which is, you know, is what it is. But one of the things that's really important, especially to the next generation joining the workforce and and who will be leading these companies is about sustainability now. It's about creating a sustainable supply chain. It's about using resources sustainably. You know, in Europe um, where you and I are based, huge droughts this summer and, you know, talking about some of the worst droughts for 500 years. Um, and, and I'm sure there's a ton of manufacturing facilities that are bl- wasting water in production, and wasting water in manufacturing. And, you know, I, I guess sustainability is going to be a huge um, talking point as, as this generation move further into the workforce.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's, it's such a perfect, a perfect angle uh, because when you're talking about efficiency, you're talking about sustainability. Yeah, And, you know, but one of those has a much more, one of those terms has a much more emotional appeal than the other. And it is, again, it's just, it's crafting the message. You're at the end of the day, it's the same thing, but you're much more likely to, um, there are some people myself included who, you know, light up at the idea of making something more efficient but there are probably a lot more people out there who light up at the idea of making something more sustainable.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a fair point. And I think that kind of is the narrative as well, isn't it? It's about, you know, the two, two words largely kind of mean similar things, but it's the emotive sense of sustainability that will really kind of get some people excited. And I guess where one of the things that I'm finding really fascinating at the moment is, is around these kind of, I forget the term at the moment, but the carbon neutral or net carbon neutral plans that these manufacturing companies are having in targets that are setting. And I guess, again, it's around creating a, a creative way to entice people into being more sustainable, You know, driving towards net carbon neutral with, with manufacturing and supply chain operations.
1: Absolutely. And it's it's an area where you can have a huge impact. Mm. Everything that you do, in the manufacturing industry every step you take is going to be it's just going to be amplified more so you can do you can take steps in sustainability no matter what company you're at but I mean if you can alter a supply chain to um to use fewer parts if you can um you you know like that is if you can if you can make your assembly with one fewer part that's a lot fewer parts that need to be manufactured that's a lot fewer parts that need to be transported that's a lot fewer parts that you can you can have such a huge impact with such tiny tiny steps because they're just amplified over the entire supply chain
0: now it, it, it's a really interesting area and it's something i'm kind of passionate about and you know i've got a young daughter now so you know the Message that, that's in your books and the subjects we're talking about is is really kind of something that is close to close to my heart and the motive. I, I was keen to understand from, from your side, Megan. Obviously, you know, you went to business school, did your MBA, you know, working um in data and, and data analytics and stuff, and then moving towards that splash operations. Did did you see that? you know, you were going against, not not against, that's the wrong word, too strong word. But did you see a challenge as as a woman moving into that space? Did you find it as, you know, there was a lot of support for yourself? Or did you find yourself having to, you know, battle through?
1: Honestly, I I can't point to a situation where I thought, you know what, this would have gone easier if I was a man. Okay, that's great that's you know that it is already i know that there have been you know women who are maybe a generation or just a few years older than me that did have to go through those those types of battles and so on one hand this means that all of the efforts they've put in are paying off and yeah. it also shows that at least to me it's down to the individual i mean i i'm sure there i have been on many teams where i was the only woman mm-hmm. and had I focused on that and started thinking, oh, you know, like the fact that I'm getting yelled at by my boss, is that because I'm a woman? Like yeah. I chose to just kind of think, no, that's probably because, you know, <laughs> I didn't do as good a job as I probably did. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but I'm saying, I think right now, at least from what I've seen, the, the outlook is a lot more optimistic than sometimes it's being credited as. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's great. I think there and there is a ton of support out there. Um, there were every position I've had, even if I was the only woman on the team, there were other women in the you know in the department in the um, in the organization that I could look to for leadership and for support. So I think there's um, there is one message that I have for women my age or younger: do not for a second hesitate to try entering. You know, any industry, any company that you want to, because if you, there will be the support out there if you
0: need it. Oh, I, I love, I love that, and I, I really like your tagline that you know, telling your stories that that data doesn't. And and, and, I, and I stole that from your your profile, but I really think it's it, it's an area that you know, obviously you're passionate about. You're an effective communicator in that respect. So so where are you kind of going in in your career now that you've you know you've you've got supply chain, you've got this passion, you're 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 moving down this way. What's the kind of future for you and where do you think you can continue to share your insights and wisdom and and offer advice to to people moving through the industry?
1: Well, there's a couple of areas. So for one, supply chain isn't, isn't over. I've got at least one more book coming out, hopefully by the end of the year. And then I also just finished a novel that is maybe not directly applicable to people in the industry, but it's about a girl who graduates with her MBA um, gets her first real corporate job and then has to solve a murder. Oh so wow! <laughs> maybe it be, you know, maybe it's not something you can use directly at work, but you know, on your train ride home, it might sure.
0: hit you.
1: of <laughs> everything that you had to deal with that day. And then the other direction that I'm um, that I'm focusing on is helping companies, um, especially B two B companies, to. To tell these stories, just like we've been talking about, to to not be boring, to work on their messaging and to show their personality, because I think there's, this is such an opportunity. Um, Every company has a personality. It's got a culture, but there's also this sort of, and I'm not sure why, there's this idea that especially if you're in manufacturing or supply chain or one of these Sort of buttoned up industries. You have to sound like everybody else, and you have to use jargon, and you have to use buzzwords, and you have to sound, you know, just boring. And that's so not the case.
0: Mm. Oh, that's a really interesting one. And and I guess so. I recruit heavily into kind of regulated manufacturing, pharma, biotech, in that space, and you know. That industry's often had a a negative uh some negative feelings, you know, profit-driven, you know, shareholder value, all of that stuff. And I guess what was interesting is how, you know, that narrative shifted during COVID as well. Once, once these companies started making vaccines and, you know, that was the 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 way out of COVID and the way through through the pandemic. And I guess it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because some of these companies are working really at the cutting edge are doing some really fascinating things. And you're right that message does need to be shared that ingenuity you know how we can create medicines that millions save millions of lives in a short period is is fascinating why isn't that message told more
1: yeah yeah there's so much you know there's so much opportunity both both externally facing and internally facing mm. too and you know how do you when you're this is especially important for recruitment but even for retention the way that you communicate internally uh, to your to your current employees is also I mean that is there's a lot of room there to to play around and to be a little bit more you know I'm not saying you need to be frivolous or informal but
0: hmm.
1: but show the show your personality and show your employees that they're not just another cog in the machine. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, definitely. Well, well, look, Meg, I think I think it's a good good, good chance for us to have a conversation about these areas and stuff. And I think given what you're doing with, uh, you know, the second phase of your kind of next career is in, in the effective messaging with manufacturers, it'd be great to maybe touch base in a year or so, 18 months once you've got some of that um, further along and we can have a chat and, and see where that's going. But I think this has been a great conversation and, and I'm really grateful for your time on the podcast.
1: Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you very, very much.
0: Uh, What what I do, Megan, I'll I'll share when we share the podcast, I'll share the links to, where can people buy your books, by the way?
1: www.supply-jane.com.
0: Excellent. And what we do, we, we, we set the link to the website um, with the comments and stuff. So if you've got young kids, if you're, you're struggling, you know, I guess we're in August now, but Christmas is not too far away. So good, good chance to kind of get some some Christmas presents ready for kids or family members. But uh, Megan, thanks again so much for your time and, and really appreciate it. Thank you.